Hi, I'm your host, Susan Nay. Welcome to the podcast series, HR Inside Out. It's a series designed to help you demystify HR and the human resource processes. We're going to talk about people management and get the goods on and see how all this stuff works. You're going to hear from everyday heroes and get their perspectives as we touch on a wide variety of topics, topics that impact us in our work and in our work environments. You'll find nuggets for your treasure chest of learning. Hopefully you'll discover insights for your personal and your professional growth. I'm glad you're here. I suspect it's because you want to be the very best version of yourself, your personal best, and that you get understanding these systems and processes will help you on your journey, on your path. You ready to dare to soar? Want to join me at flight school? Let's do this. Thanks for joining me today. Hi, welcome to the podcast series, HR Inside Out, demystifying HR and people management. I'm your host, Susan Nay. Joining me today is Monique Little with the City of North Vancouver Library. Welcome, Monique. Hi, Susan. Thanks for having me here today. Really, really glad that you said yes. So Monique is the manager of operations with the City of North Vancouver Library. It's a place that she's called home for over a decade and not a place that she'd originally envisioned working when she graduated from the British Columbia Institute of Technology, BCIT. Because she had a certification in interior design management. So Monique, after you graduated from BCIT, I believe it was that you continued your working within the food service industry. And if I remember correctly, it was first as an assistant front-end supervisor with Extra Foods, and then you became the front-end assistant manager with Thrifty Foods before you actually made application to the City of North Vancouver Library. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay, I did get that right. And today, when I look at your LinkedIn profile and your current responsibilities, my goodness, I see you're accountable for effective customer service delivery across all of the departments, for promotion and retailing, for facility oversight, employee engagement, for circulation and cash handling, and for implementing new systems for retail and circulation. (laughs) And I can see where that previous experience within the food industry would have absolutely helped develop the skills that you need and what you're currently doing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So originally, uh, while I was working in the food industry, um, my husband had encouraged me to make a five-year plan. And this was to try and make my next step in changing my career. And, you know, I was in the second uh, part year of that plan when I saw the job advertisement for the library at the North Vancouver, in North Vancouver. And, you know, I was applying for a position that was only for one year. It was a one-year maternity leave. So it it felt like a big uh, jump of faith for me and and quite a, a, you know, a different transition for me. But the ad, yeah, you know, and the ad really resonated with me because the library was looking for a customer service specialist. And I felt that I had really great skills for that. So, you know, I went to the library, I scoped out the library. And when I walked into the spaces, you know, I know you have been in our space. Mm -hmm. It just spoke to me. And, you know, I just knew that this was going to be the right place for me uh, to at least apply and try to get a job uh, with. And you were successful. 
yes, and have I- been have been successful. We're going to talk about that in the podcast. So let's just start with you ended up in in uh, customer service, but for listeners who might be interested in pursuing a career within the libraries, what would an applicant need as a basic qualification for coming into perhaps an entry level position? Um, and let's start there. Okay, so our entry level position um, for short is called an LSA. The um, more broader term is a library service assistant. And basic qualifications for this entry level position are completion of grade 12 with some experience in customer service. So that's what we really, you know, kind of look for for the entry level position and all our jobs, including this one, are always posted on our website. So you can always go to nbcl.ca and you'll notice that all the current postings are up there. Okay, is that probably quite um, traditional for most of the libraries? Um, Our listeners would be from other places than the Lower Mainland. Um, So Mm -hmm. typically on their library website, are there other places that that you've seen? Yeah, there's, yeah, absolutely. You know, it just, I mean, I always say go to the, the library's websites first because you'll always get the most like quickly current uh, up-to-date listings. However, there's uh, something called the Library Partnership Board. Um, that is another place to go. Uh, Civic BC is right. another option. And then options like Indeed um, also bring up our listings as well. So there's kind yeah. of like, you know, a number of places that you can look. Okay. Yeah, I think Indeed often picks up from some of the other uh, hosting sites. What are some of the other kinds of jobs that that people might find interesting? Yeah. No, I know that there's lots, but can you think of a few that... Oh, I I have several that I can give you. So um, the next step up from our uh, LSA position is what we call a CSA. You'll notice that we love our acronyms and our jargon. (laughs) And that's a customer service assistant. And that is providing service at our welcome desk. So that's registering customers, troubleshooting accounts, and basically being that first point of contact um, at the library. And then we have a library technician, and this is kind of a paraprofessional position uh, that is responsible for the delivery of service and programs. And so we often look for your library tech diploma with that one. So that would that be a BCIT type? Uh, Langara is uh, uh, one of the options that does definitely do that. And, you know, Uh, That is that, um, you know, providing uh, an example would be providing reference on a desk. So you're, you know, whether you're on the reader's desk, you know, that's one of the things that you would do. Okay, so a little more knowledge, a little bit more, a deeper knowledge of what the library offers and how to track somebody. Okay. And you can also do programming. So programming would be set out for you and you would deliver a program. So it could be, you know, any, any one of, any one of a number of programs like uh, helping with tech help, uh, doing a children's story time. Um, it just depends where, where you Okay, are. I was going to ask you what, the pro- what, what kinds of programs, so thank you. Um, and then the one that I think most of our listeners are uh, familiar with is a librarian position. And that's a professional position uh, where you do need your MLIS, so your master's in library science. And that position is really responsible for developing, planning, evaluating, and delivering uh, programs and services. So uh, much more involved in that kind of development piece. And then the 
other ones that are available are like we have our admin services and and you know kind of a smaller version of hr within our um, environment okay. and a really robust communications department so you know brochures planning website that kind of thing okay so quite a range yeah absolutely yeah, and and yeah areas that people may not think might be potential opportunities for employment absolutely um, so yeah thank exactly you. thank you now, are some of those part-time or are they primarily full-time? So it's, you know what, it's half and half. So we have a staff of approximately 55 uh, members and it's about 25 full-time and 20 part-time. And then we also have some auxiliary staff. So there's like okay. a real mix. So uh, it's often good for students uh, looking part-time and still wanting to continue on in school, okay. other schooling. Things like okay. that. So a lovely variety there too. What about volunteer opportunities? Um, I'm just thinking people who might have some time on their hands and want to give back to their communities. Um, and if so, where would they go to find out about the opportunities? Yeah, so there's a couple of opportunities. Um, first, there's the library board. So if you are a community, a resident in our community, uh, you can apply. Usually it's coming around this time of year where um, at the end of the year, there could be uh, positions available okay. and you apply uh, for a position on the library board. And that, you know, somebody who would like to, that loves libraries, wants to be a part of it. It's a volunteer position, but, you know, it does um, we, you, advocacy for the library and, you, you know, you, it takes time. So that's mm -hmm. one and a great position. Mm -hmm. Another one that our listeners may not be aware of is something called Library Champions. And Library Champions was developed a number of years ago. It's one of my favorite uh, volunteer opportunities. This was um, devised for new immigrants who have just come to Canada. So it can be any, anywhere from one to two to three years, even five, where they're looking for, to find some volunteer opportunities so they can get some experience, gain some experience so they can go on to get new jobs. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they become advocates for our library. So they learn everything about the library and then they go out into their community and are able to speak the language that they know to their okay, community members yes. to spread the word. Um, I have met so many amazing people with uh, that um, particular volunteer program. Uh, it's been it's been a lot of fun. That's fabulous. Yes. Yeah, it's a, it's a great one. Um, yeah. and, and then there's our teen volunteers. So I think a lot of people probably have heard, maybe, maybe not, that um, we have teen volunteers. And this one um, is really good for teens because they can gain their service hours uh, so they can get their completion of graduation for grade 12. Okay. And again, would that be on the library website? Those? Yes. So even the library champions, it they go through cycles, but it's all found on our website. Okay. And again, would this be unique to these City of North Vancouver Library, or was this something that was likely available through other local libraries? Most of these opportunities are available at a lot of the other libraries. So Library Champions does cycles throughout the Lower Mainland. Okay. Um, so you, you may not see it necessarily all the time in our library, but they try to do it at least once a year. Okay, fabulous, thank you. I'm glad I asked that question. Mm -hmm. Now, you've been over a decade at the City of North Vancouver Library, and 
you know, as we've already shared, you've continued to grow and be promoted within the organization over those years. So initially customer service supervisor to head of branch operations and customer service, and now to your new title and responsibilities. So the opportunity to continue to grow and learn is so important. Is encouragement of this pretty standard um, in, within library environments, like support for ongoing learning and encouragement to try new things? Has that been your experience? Yes, and actually I wasn't really used to that because in my, my past experience, there was no training and development. Um, you know, so, yeah, well, first of all, libraries are a place of lifelong learning. So that's what we do, right? And so it would be kind of weird not to have your staff uh, be able to be involved in that. And, you know, I've had Good so point. many, <laughs> yeah, you know, it, you know, there's, and like the North Vancouver City Library uh, offers so many development opportunities for staff. Um, you know, to give you an example, I was really lucky. I got to go to a unique program called LEAD. And I'm gonna tell you what that means because I can never remember the full name. It is Leadership Development for Library and Information Sector. And okay. LEAD was devised uh, to uh, provide leadership skills for people in libraries. So any, any one of us, whether you're a supervisor or a manager, it was this one-year program that you would attend. So at first it was an intensive that you went for a week with a cohort, and then you worked with that cohort throughout the whole year. And it was just an amazing opportunity. And, you know, networking and learning from others and, you know, practicing uh, like tough conversations or even mm -hmm. just being able to bounce ideas off of one another was a great learning experience. And that's just one example. Of so the participants of that program would have come from different libraries? Yes, yes, absolutely. So and then they had mentors in the library. So people, um, you know, whether they are library directors, um, you know, you got to meet a lot of people that you would never have an opportunity to ask them those questions that sometimes you're kind of, you know, embarrassed to ask or you never think you could ask. And it was just mm. an honest um honest way of learning. Wow. Plus also learning about what other libraries are doing and considering and, and, um, you know, I know when you've actually met people, the, the, it's just so much easier to be able to reach out to them in the future because they, you're not just a name on a, on a page. No. And um, we're still like, you know, I just actually received, um, an invitation to meet up with the cohort. The cohort is going without lead needing to you know mm -hmm. cultivate it it's it's asked us to actually you know let's meet up let's talk about what's happening with everybody and you know that information sharing is super important and really unique because it's it's pretty rare that you you go through a program like that and people keep in touch to the extent that you're sharing yeah sometimes you meet really great people and then all of a sudden you know you don't for whatever reason life is busy you don't keep yeah. in touch and i think you know, that's something that I think people should keep close to them is trying to cultivate their network. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's really special. I want to talk a little bit about your library. So you provided me a tour of what had been previously a seldomly used upstairs outdoor patio. And it's now housing electronic gadgets and teaching paraphernalia. You shared with me your joy of being able to use that interior design management training to help ensure that the space transition encompassed the best of both, the transition to the new use, but also the vibrancy of the outdoor space that had existed there before. 
and it really is very lovely and very impressive. Can you tell us a little bit more about what that space is now being used for? You opened up drawers and you showed me things that that it's like I wasn't sure what they were, but I was a little embarrassed to say that. No. What are the kinds of programs and things that are going on now in that that wonderful, unique space? So that space that you're talking about is called the Collaboratory. So the name was very uh, specific to give the impression of what we were doing in that space. And it's a digital learning space. So you're going to find classes, workshops, drop-in sessions where you can do um, a variety of technology um, type things to build your skills. So really what you're doing is building your digital literacy skills. And some of the things that you're gonna be blown out of the water when you hear this, because you know there's a lot of things that you can do in there. So there's coding and computational thinking, robotics, wow. virtual and augmented reality. And I'll explain that one in a minute. STEAM and STEM. So a lot of uh, schools are learning about STEAM and STEM graphic design and illustration and animation, right? Like, I mean, there's so many things that you can learn. And just to give you an example for our listeners, um, when I said virtual and augmented reality, we have what's called a merge cube. And it just looks like a little cube, basically. And you take this cube and when you put it behind um, a screen device that has the app on it, it reads whatever the app is allowing you to see. And so you can put it in front of the screen and all of a sudden you have a heart in front of you where you can turn the human heart and look at all the ventricles and get all the names and learn about something or a skull or yeah, or dinosaurs, like all the different dinosaurs and stuff. So it's, it's such a different way of learning. Um, And, you know, even though you may think it's geared to younger ages, we have something for everybody in there yeah. of all ages. Well, and, and I suspect that there's some listeners that still, you know, that perhaps haven't been in the library for a long time and, and still think it's, you know, full of musty smelling old books, yeah. and, you know, <laughs> yeah. and I just, I think back to the years that I used to head down to the local library to, you know, do my research for papers long before some of the technology that we have now. Um, and, and, you know, perhaps don't know, um, the myriad yeah. programs and, and opportunities to learn that are now available in our libraries? Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. Like, you know, I often ask people, do you know what we have to offer? And I mean, we have a recording booth. We have what's called create, like this, this collaboratory is part of our creation stations. And so we have another one where you can digitize your old photos and slides and you know, VHS tapes that you probably don't even have a VHS recorder anymore, but you can digitize those and you learn to do that all on your own and it's all free. Um, So you get to use some pretty amazing equipment. So that's just an example of, you know, besides the books, this is stuff you can do in the library. And and so that's where you would have the technicians that you were talking about earlier, they would be there to assist? So uh, yes, yes and no. So what we do is like, I'll use the uh, digitization station, which is a mouthful. And what they do is you go through an orientation. And so they show you how to use it all. And then you can book it and use it as you need it, because often you will have to sit through an entire VHS tape to digitize. So we don't need to be there the whole time. Okay. Okay. And people really learn it quite quickly and easily. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Thank you. I think I might scope some of that stuff out uh, at a later date. Now, I'm going to move to a little bit uh, 
we've talked about some of the programs that are offered, but I want to talk a little bit more about the library, your library. So I need to set some context before our next questions. So I arrived early for my lunch appointment with you. And so I took myself for a walk. I, things have changed since I'd last been to the City of North Vancouver Library. And I was greeted by the aroma of freshly brewed coffee and a cozy nook available for those just wanting a quiet visit or a space to, to read while enjoying their Java. I was pretty impressed and that had all changed since I'd last been in there. The children's section was next on my walk, enticing books with titles like Backyard Fairies by Phoebe Wall caught the attention of the child inside me, as did the life-sized tree. And I suspect that's where the children are read to. Yes, um, certainly where I would want to be read to. Now outside the windows, I noticed brightly colored Adirondack chairs clustered around two red polka dotted toadstools. I hope I'm painting just a delicious picture for our listeners. Fairy statues lounged nearby, busily engrossed in their own reading and their fairy activities. Did you also have a hand in creating this magical space? This library is really quite something. <laughs> um, I wish I could take credit for all the beautiful spaces you described, um, but really the children, like I'll use the children's garden that you were describing with the fairies and the toadstool. Um, that was really designed when the building was created in 2008. Um, however, several years ago, um, the city of North Vancouver's facility manager, Robert Skeen, started activating the uh, spaces outside. So there was plaza activation, and that's when he introduced the colorful Anirondack chairs. So people could sit down and connect out in the nice weather and bring out a book and read. And we figured, well, if it's good for the adults, could it not be good for the children? And so he found the same Anirondack chairs in smaller sizes yeah. uh, for our children's area. And I have to say, you know, during COVID, this became a really valuable space for us. Yeah. Um, now, I did have a hand in helping um, establish what we call the Fresh Air Library. So we took that initiative and we went one step further. And during COVID, when you really... We had limited access in the library. We were open, but we were trying to navigate through all the protocols. We created this um, fresh air library so you could go sit out there, take your books out there, feel a little bit better about being outside because mm -hmm. the, the spread of COVID was um, less. And you still had Wi-Fi connection because there's free Wi-Fi free Wi-Fi connection out in the plaza. So super popular. And I still have a lot of people that go out there, they come and they meet, they have their coffee and connect outside. Yeah, well, it's always very busy. Anytime mm -hmm. I walk uh, past, it's, um, yeah, it's amazing. It's, it's quite lovely. Because the library isn't just a repository of incredible materials. It really is a gathering place for our communities. And boy, I just, I'm encouraged to come back. Um, I want I want to see more and maybe take some of those, <laughs> those electronics out and give them a whirl. <laughs> I'm going to move to another area that I'm interested in exploring with you. One of your cited responsibilities is that of employee engagement. And for us to be able to encourage engagement, it, it's really important that we as leaders are engaged. When we met for lunch, you absolutely sang the praises of your boss, Deb Hutchison Kep. You noticed, or you noted to me that you have been really encouraged to stretch and that Deb has been there to support you through that 
at times um, encouraging you to literally feel the fear and to do it anyway. And it was just so obvious you not only love working for her, but you love working with the team at the yeah. City of North Vancouver Library. Um, you mentioned the LEAD program. And I know you're encouraged to continue that to academic learning, because of course we bumped into each other at the Capilano University Local Government Foundations program. And for our listeners, it's an excellent program that's designed to help understand the bigger picture of how all aspects of local government fit together and how they work. Um, a library is a little bit separate from local government, but work with local government for um, some of the initiatives, as you'd mentioned earlier, working with the facilities manager and, and the creation of the, the incredible new space. So this is really important. And of course, building those relationships, such as the one with Robert, because when again, like the networking that you continue to do with your lead colleagues, um, when you start working with people and get to know them, then it's a lot easier to, um, that, that relationship building is, is pretty critical. I have to assume that these are the kinds of things that keep you engaged in your work. As a leader, what are the kinds of things that you do to keep the team that you're responsible for engaged? Like what have you found that's been really beneficial in keeping your, your team members engaged? Well, I really think the foundation to any team of keeping a team engaged is that you have to build relationships first. So you have to build honest relationships and, you know, look at each individual and make sure that you know where they're wanting to go. Like if they're happy in their job or they want to feel the fear, as you say, um, and kind of stretch and grow. And your job as a leader is to help them find that path and make them exceptional. I mean, I just can't say it any other way. And, you know, I've been really fortunate to work for Deb, um, mm -hmm. who has who has done that for me, you know, and encouraged me and says, well, you can do it. And I'm like, mm, I don't know if I can do that. <laughs> and, you know, she has been there every step of the way to say, you know, I really think you should try this and try that. Um, she was the one who had suggested the Capilano local government uh, courses. And, you know, soon I'll be certified in that. And it's made a world of difference. So I think as leaders that, you know, that relationship building is key. I love your point about it being unique. And certainly of some of the articles that I've been reading lately, mm -hmm. that, that individualized attention to um, what's important to people is critical. And I, I don't, I don't think we've always done that well. So, um, and I'm sure that I'm sure that your team speaks of you as a as their boss, just as with with as much praise as you speak of of Deb as your boss. Well, and I think you've got to emanate what you know you what works for you. And I mean, you know, building trust, being approachable. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you're not approachable as a leader, then it makes it very difficult to find out about your staff. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And, and identifying everybody's unique trait. Everybody comes with wonderful abilities. So your job is to make it shine. Yep. And the, the start is having the attitude that everybody mm -hmm. comes with wonderful abilities, you know, and yeah. seeing that, seeing that and encouraging other people like Deb's done with you. 
I want to talk a little bit about change. I know that the city of North Vancouver Library works hard to be on the leading edge of embracing change and really understanding both the client's needs and embracing initiatives to meet those needs. Um, I suspect that, again, most of our listeners have not been to libraries recently, particularly because of the pandemic. What, you know, you've, you've shared a little bit about uh, what you've been doing, but what are, what are ongoing challenges and changes that the libraries continue to need to adapt to? Well, I think when we're looking at that, I think supporting technology skill development will always be key. Um, it's something that is rapidly changing all the time, and we need to be always one step ahead of the curve so that we can help our community be ready for all these new devices and ways of communicating. Like the pandemic was a, a perfect example. All of a sudden, everybody went at home and we ne they needed a lot of support. Like, how do I use my phone? How do I use Zoom? Um, you know, and that was that was really an important piece. Uh, another challenge I think we face is we have the most amazing building in the whole wide world. It's this modern, beautiful facility. We keep that building looking really good. We're really, really lucky. We make sure that it's running really well. However, our capacity is starting to overflow. We don't have mm -hmm. enough space for what the community is, is de demanding at this point. Mm -hmm. And so we still have to also balance and recognize that, you know, the municipality also has other priorities in the queue and mm -hmm. we can't just ask for everything in the world. So, you know, it's, it's, it's that, it's that balance of how do we make sure that we're meeting the needs of the community and ensuring that the space is changing. And that's been a big part of my work now is changing to meet the needs without, you know, having to make two costly decisions in that, in those changes. Yeah. Because I'm sure there's people like me that I still love the old paperback book that, you know, I can sit down with my Java and. Absolutely. Um, I'm that person too. I love, you know, I, I do love my book. I love having a book in my hand. Um, but I also love, you know, going into the collaboratory and, and working with some animation or, you know, being able to draw mm -hmm. on um, a Wacom pad, like, you know, yeah. like it just finding that that balance balance yeah. right okay okay now one of the changes that I was surprised that was that um the library was one of the first to implement the removal of library fines when books are returned <laughs> late can you share a little about the thinking behind this decision I'm sure it's been well received by the clients but also I'm just curious have you found that uh, that people are less inclined to to return the books or whatever they've borrowed on time like that is the number one question and believe it or not we get the books back absolutely on time so when we started uh, researching this and starting to examine um you know re eliminating fines uh we did some research and like first first of all we had to go with what we knew and what we knew was that um charging fines disproportionately affects our users. So especially families with lower household incomes or those mm. young children. So you have young children coming in with their school and they want to check out a book, but they can't because there's fines on it. And it may be because their mom either doesn't have enough money and, you know, has to make a decision. Do I pay for the library book or do I put food on the table? Mm -hmm. Or is just so busy that ha they haven't had the time to return it in that, you know, in that time frame. Uh, you know, so 
we kind of delved into that and we found out that it the punitive fines were not what brought the books back it was the reminders oh wow so the reminders of emails is mm -hmm. what gets you to bring your items back and yeah. yes it works and i think what viewers uh, or listeners would probably want to know is that the revenue like they say well what about the revenue like you know you're mm -hmm. bringing money mm -hmm. in it was only less than 1% of our annual operating budget, which is not very big. And it took a lot to process that. So, you know, I did a lot of research and like, yeah. how much does it take to process that? What are we paying mm -hmm. to process these fines that we're getting, mm -hmm. you know, like, what is it cost effective? And it wasn't. So it's been really successful. We've increased registrations. Um, you know, no, I get, I always hear, you're kidding me like this is fabulous you know and it encourages mm -hmm. more circulation people want to take out more things yeah yeah oh wonderful change yeah we're really excited about it i'm thinking of the the book that got buried behind recipe books that <laughs> you could not find until like about 10 years later it's like yeah, oh that's a bad person that's... all of a sudden it's like i always have people come up and say i've been bad and it's like yeah you know like it was such a a, a terrible Thing to have lost a library book. I felt I didn't, I was so bad. Yeah. <laughs> oh dear. Uh, and our listeners know that I love talking about leadership. So you noted in your LinkedIn profile that you develop strong teams and we've talked about some of that, uh, but particularly to, re to achieve results. Now I've been able to see the impact of your influence, what the library looks like, the kinds of things that you found helpful to build strong teams and you've you've certainly spoken of that that trust being available um anything else for our listeners that i, I what people are leaders or emerging leaders and um you have such experience with this so any tips more tips well, yeah so you know i i did talk about like those meaningful relationships building trust like that you have to create that foundation so always think about that foundation you can't come into a new team and expect to know all the different dynamics and culture that's going on so you have to take the time to sit back and observe and kind of get to know your team i also think that in strong teams transparency so you're not hiding any information from them. It's all transparent. Like this is what we're going to do, setting out really nice, clear expectations and looking at your team and looking at which skills, like everybody comes, like I said, with different skills to the group and how can you enhance that and make the team really become like a really great mm -hmm. cohesive unit. And I think that, you know, there's training and development that always helps, but I'm always solution driven. So when you bring a team together, they have to help in the process from the beginning to the end of mm -hmm. like, so we may have a challenge or an issue, or we may want to do something great. And how are we going to get there and then facilitate that through your team. And that creates that kind of engagement that you can't get because now yeah. they're invested. They want to see the end result. Yeah. Great. Thank you. I knew you'd have a last <laughs> couple of nuggets to share. Um, I'm just looking at the questions. I think we've pretty well covered, covered them. I just know that as I speak with you, I, I'm taken to my own earlier years of just really cherishing the time that, you know, that I would walk down to our local library. I've seen how important they are as places of 
communities being able to meet and, and to gather. I love the programs that you've shared that are encouraging that and helping, particularly with our new immigrants. I watched as I saw the excitement of kids pulling their parents along to the children's section, wanting to take books home. As I walked up to the collab, collab, collaboratory, collaboratory <laughs> thank you. You could see all the students studying and just appreciative of the quiet space uh, that the library offers. And yeah, just looking at the spaces that you've created and the, just the smiles, um, people seem to come in and leave in just wonderful moods, mm -hmm. <laughs> which is another benefit for anyone considering working in the library. And it sure helps me understand why you've chosen to call the City of North Vancouver Library home yeah. and have not decided to move on to um, a career that you anticipated going into when you graduated from BCIT. Any last nuggets, uh, thoughts that, anything I've not thought to ask you that you might find, uh, our listeners might find helpful? Yeah, I've got, I think a couple of things to kind of leave our listeners with is that, you know, finding the right fit for me meant making sure that my values aligned with the values of the organization. And I think that people need to do that kind of research. It doesn't matter where you work. If your personal values do not align with the organizational's values, it's just gonna be hard. It's not gonna, it's literally not going to be the right fit. And I found that that's how you find your, your place that you love. That would be one thing. And I think we've talked about it. I think that my biggest piece of advice and probably a piece of advice for myself is like, don't be afraid to feel that fear, you know, do something outside your comfort zone. Mm -hmm. You know, for me, that was going back to university. You know, I, I hadn't been in a long time and I thought I'm not good enough. I've forgotten everything that there is to do about university. Those gremlins. Yeah. Those gremlins that sit on, the, on your shoulder. And, you know, I always constantly have to remind myself I'm good enough. I can do this. But, you know, that fear turns into, it gets less and less and less each time you go and you get so much more benefit out of it. So those would be the two things that I think I would leave uh, with our listeners today. And you, you took a leap of faith earlier in your career by, yeah, the risk. by, by leaving a, a regular full-time, taking on an opportunity that could have only been the 12 months, but look at, the application of your skills differently that had it been just a maternity leave and not the opportunity for ongoing employment, you would have been able to take that new experience to something different. Absolutely. Um, and that's feeling the fear. And yeah, I think that's really important as our, that values alignment. Just quickly. Mm -hmm. So how did you do that? Because you you did that you did a big jump. Yeah, I did, did a big jump. And how I did didn't... how did you have the sense that, like you, both what you at the core who you were? Now you'd worked for some time in the food service industry, so that probably had helped. Yeah. But how did you make that assessment of the library and making that that alignment determination? Yeah, you know it's a really good question. I think there's a, a couple of things that you can do. First of all. You know, in all the training that I've done, you have to find out who you are. 
like now for me, it's who am I as a leader so that, you know, what kind of leadership do I, do I use? Like, who am I as a leader so that I, I know? So something like a disc assessment, like to find out kind of who, what type of person am I, mm -hmm. because that helps you kind of explore. You can go on to any organize, organization's website and kind of get a feel, you know, like look at their strategic plan, look at their values and their mission. How do they, what, what guides their work plan, right? Because- yep if it's something that's really doesn't align with you, then it's going to be hard to do that day-to-day -day work mm -hmm. and, and achieve a goal that you might not really believe in. Mm -hmm. So, you know, really kind of researching it. And then I always go about that feeling inside, you know, that's why I walked into the space. I needed to go in there and just see, could I, could I come in here every day? Like, yeah. it, does this feel good? And it yeah. was just, that's an instinct, you know, yeah. just to yeah. go in there. Yeah. Perfect. Thank you. Because that's often questions that I'm asked is how does one do that? You know, and certainly seeing if they know of other people who work, you know, yeah. within the industry would be another another way. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. One for just sharing with us your own career path and the journey that you've been on, um, the tips on engagement, the knowledge about how incredible our local libraries are. For those who perhaps haven't visited them, um, there's there's lots of intriguing things, uh, um, including that I think I might find some space in that children's fresh air <laughs> and take that take that fairy book off the shelf. Uh, yeah, I'm just re re returning to being a child. Um, just really appreciate you making the time and and allowing others to to learn what it's like to work at a library and the kinds of training that they uh, may need to be. Um, getting if they want to get into some of the more um, um, jobs that require certifications um, or to come in and to do that as a progressive process over, over the years of, of working within a library. Check the library website for a whole bunch of good information. And thank you to our listeners for taking the time to, to be with us today and to listen to, to what we had to share with you. It is time for us to fly. I hope that you've enjoyed being with the two of us. And remember, dare to soar. Because I, we, believe that you can. It's Susan and Monique that signing out. Have a great day, everybody. Bye for now. Well, we've reached our destination for today. Time to lower those wheels and prepare for landing. Thank you for joining me. If I said something that resonated with you, please subscribe to the podcast and to share it with others. It would be awesome if you also took the time to provide a review, whatever your favorite social media sites are. If you have a question or an area that you hope I'll cover in a future session, please send me a note, either to my website, www.effectingchangefromwithin.com or to my email, susangenay at gmail.com. I look forward to our next time together. In the meantime, Soar high. I believe you can. Susan signing off. Thanks again for joining me.